Welcome to Rescue Radio. Yes, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the battle that's already been won, that you have gained the victory, given us the victory from the foundation of the world. It's already been settled and done and won. So we thank you for those today who are yet absorbed and overwhelmed with this battle, that you would bring them peace, bring them victory, bring them breakthroughs, bring them encouragement, Lord God. You know how to do it. You've been doing it forever. You know how to keep yours, those who have committed themselves to you, Lord God, in that covenant of peace and promise and the revelation of Jesus Christ. So today, Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive the revelation of your encouragement, your love, your truth, even as we're studying and looking into these days that we're living in, these end times, Father. I thank you, Lord, that there was a beginning, there's a middle, and now there's the end, the grand finale. So I pray that in this great drama of humankind, where we find ourselves today as not actors and pretenders, but as true, genuine sons and daughters of the Most High God, walking on this uh, terra firma earth, place, inhabitation of evil, uh, the snake pit, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom and counsel. You said, if any man likes wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, we ask for and rely upon your anointing for this day and for this week and for our lives in Jesus' name. And that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Let the covering of the Most High protect us from the prince of the power of the air, the God of this age, the God of this world, the philosophies of this world, that we'd walk in purity of mind and heart in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, we're still at war, aren't we? Yeah, we're at war. War on the saints. I I, I don't recall the name of the uh, person who wrote this many years ago. It says, these are the days or these are the times that try men's souls. Oh, yeah. And we certainly are those times. I think it was one of the generals right before one of the wars or during one of the wars, but we're in that war and it's truly not, nothing has changed. It's a spiritual battle as well as for now. Uh, we're also beginning to realize it's a very uh, real battle on uh, tangible fronts, political, spiritual fronts. It's It's within ourselves and it's all around us. So um, where are we at today? We're in Mark chapter 13, and uh, we touched on this a little bit in our last uh, program. Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. And basically what we're doing is looking at some of the signs of the times perspective mm-hmm. as to what is going on in our day. Um, <clears throat> Mark chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, do you, do you see these great buildings? And he said, well, you could probably say, well, yeah, I mean, I just pointed them out to you. But not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So the the, the disciples were impressed yeah. with you know, what we're talking about here is Herod's temple. They mm-hmm. were impressed with the architecture and the finery of that building. Jesus said, listen, it's all coming down. And they had also de- designated this temple um, as a holy place, a spiritual place where they would meet with God, do the sacrifices. Even though it was a, the a, point of contact with right. God on earth. Even though a point, uh, a pagan king 
had built it. That had built it. It was still... Yeah, and it was filled with treachery and commerce and greed and covetousness, yet they still thought this was a holy place. And, 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 and because a holy place, beyond any kind of divine devastation, it was under some divine protection because it was the temple. So they would have thought, and you maybe we would, it would commonly think that that was, yeah. As human beings, we tend to be impressed with outward things, how things look, how they look. Look at this fine building. Look at this fine uh, personage. Right, look positions. At the, we look at the outward, outward, yeah, the outward yeah, appearances. Yeah. We get dazzled by outward appearance. We, we get dazzled by the show. But Jesus said, listen, this is all coming down. And, of course, this was fulfilled in 70 A.D. when the Roman general Titus came in and destroyed uh, Jerusalem. And the destroyed temple. Destroyed the temple. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, Josephus, was... who was a historian, mm-hmm. a contemporary historian of the day, a Jewish man, Said that the the stones were down. They actually ran a plow through where the temple was. A plow. A plow because of the stones that were scattered. Hmm. Well, I noticed that the, there's still piles of rubble and stones alongside the wall, even to yeah, this day. The, yeah. Of those original stones. Uh, of those stones. But and then, they've kind of left it as a marker to indicate: was this a judgment of God? Was this? Um, what was this? I mean, you know, people say, "What was it?" Well, I believe God. Yes, permitted a severe judgment upon these people because, number one, well, in a spiritual sense, the, the usefulness of the temple was done. It was ended because Jesus had arrived, showed up in the temple, did what he was supposed to do, uh, spoke, declared, taught, and introduced the kingdom of God, kingdom which of God. which was a yes. whole new deal, <laughs> so to speak. And so the temple was now obsolete anyway. And when they destroyed it, they also destroyed all of the their sacred genealogies and records so that from that point on, no one could tell where they were from or if they couldn't prove their lineage. And, and so their, their distinction, their family bloodlines and those records were lost, except we know that Jesus, according to the, the Gospels of Luke and Matthew, his genealogy was intact because it was already written. He was from the son of son of son of and came all the way back to Adam and Abraham. So his genealogy was the only one that was recorded that was that was preserved, actually. And actually, in anticipation of the destruction of the temple, there were those that, that came and, and brought uh, some of the scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, the, the scripture the scrolls, text, yeah. the scrolls, Isaiah mm-hmm. and so forth, the book of Enoch. Other, other scrolls were brought and hidden in the caves at Qumran. Yeah, because uh, the where, Essenes, you know, the Essenes, who and, were the secret, the keepers of those scrolls. Right, right. They anticipated were, this devastation. Yeah, and so they they hid those in those caves and were discovered in what 1940. Isn't it amazing that they hid them and then probably they died? And the only one who left to know where those cave scrolls were hidden was God Himself. And it was very interesting. No one knew. No one even knew they existed, let alone go look for them somewhere. And some little shepherd boy playing with his sheep, throwing a stone, a rock at a, into a cave, went in and found them. And Heard it, a crash. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, it's like, like okay, so um, this is how God works. He mm-hmm. He's not uh, constricted by circumstances. He's not overwhelmed by the order of the day and what's going on, the political nature, the the decay of the earth. He's not. He's not overwhelmed by anything. He just has a plan for everything. And so as we're going forward, we, we read. Yeah, verse 3, and now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, so he's kind of a place overlooking the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign 
when all these things will be fulfilled. So they're saying, okay, when is this going to happen? Okay, the, this temple is going to be f- destroyed, yeah. right, in which it was later I on. I wonder if they were shocked when he told them that for the first time. That's probably the first time they ever heard that. Our, our, our temple. And I, I think of um, in the Old Testament when, um, I think it's in the book of Lamentations, when the, um, the, you know, the Babylonians had come in and, and looted the temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to- tore it down. There was mourning over the temple. So this was, yes, this holy place, this place of meeting with God. And originally there was the tabernacle, right? That which was like a, a sort of like a tent, the, a, yeah. the tent of meeting, and it was portable, and you, you could move it around. And it, it was a place, a kind of a touch point where people could meet with God, do the prescribed sacrifices well, like and so forth. And then Solomon. Mm-hmm was the guy that had the, or David had the vision to build a, a permanent house, a temple, but he did, God did not permit David to do that, and Solomon, his son, was the one who actually built the temple, which was destroyed, and then, of course, this one was one that was had been rebuilt by Yes, Herod. and we know there's a third temple coming, and that one is already being prepared as well. It is not yet erected, but it is coming um, to, uh, they've seen, Put, put together all the instruments, all of the priests, their their you know um, processes, and so he says. So it's already been established. It's coming again. So this third temple will be the temple where the Antichrist comes to. So we see that we're very near in proximity to the coming of the Antichrist. Um, you know, depending on how long this temple is erected or lasts before that Antichrist comes, but this is the temple he will come into. And so, but notice, though, uh, when he talks about in Mark, the two questions he asks, actually he asks three questions. In, they asked three questions in Matthew. They said, um, uh, When will these things be? And, what will be the sign, sign of, of your coming, coming and, and of, of the, the end of the, of the age? age. So yeah, yes. when you're sorting out Matthew 24 and, and, and Mark 13, we have to realize he may be answering one of three different questions. And so kind of tangling them all up, it gets a little bit a little difficult to uh, just know exactly which one of those um, answers he's giving. Well, the first the first point Jesus makes both in Mark 13 and Matthew 24 is as a, he says, he gives a warning. And Jesus answering <clears throat> them began to say, take heed that no one deceives you. This is very interesting because this is... You'd think if you were going to give someone the warnings, the most important things, the priorities, what to do first, what to look out for, what that he was really telling them that in the end there's going to be so much confusion, so much treachery, so much deception, so many uh, false Jesuses and Antichrists and false angels of light and so many Gospels and so much of that counterfeiting that people are coming even, and he warned and so did Paul, of them coming as wolves in sheep's clothing and angels of light that his first counsel to them was, do not be tricked. Do not be faked out. Do not be um, seduced into following these um, liars, these pretenders, these charlatans, because that would be Satan's best, most effective way to pull off those who are truly um, sincere and earnest and eager in their desire to follow God. The most effective way to do that would be get the, take the zeal of their own hearts to pursue God and hook them, bait them, trap them, seduce them, misdirect them into serving and following a false Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's a warning. And he said in, the, in Matthew 24, I believe it says, many false prophets yeah. shall arise and deceive many. And basically what Paul 
uh, wrote, uh, said to the uh, church at Ephesus mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 20, he says, of your own selves, mm-hmm. right from among you, right from among you in the church, within, men within. will arise and to take away disciples after them. And uh, they will, you know, they appear outwardly, uh, Jesus said, as uh, shepherds. shepherds or sheep, but inwardly they were ravening wolves. Mm-hmm. So he said, watch out. I, I just want to read this from Acts chapter 20. He is warning the people at uh, Ephesus. 29. Um, yeah. In, for, I, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the will flock. Will come in among you, mm-hmm. among the church. not Also just, from among not yourselves. Just, right. Not just among, from the outside. Mm-hmm. But, but from within, evil from from within. among yourselves. Go ahead. Well, rise up, speaking perverse things and drawing away the disciples after themselves. Also, from among yourselves, these men will rise up. And this is what we have today. This is what we have today. In the, some of the greatest deceptions that we have, some of the greatest looking ministries are the most not are not from uh, some new age cult or some uh, leftist uh, agenda. Uh, politically or educationally or uh, those that are preparing. Not from some atheistic camp. They're coming from within our own camp. And this is exactly where you get the most momentum and the most traction. When you can win the flock and they think that you're great, you're awesome, your music is wow, and the worship of God and the presence of God and the word of God, and, and the bigger the numbers, the better and the more, the more they all can't be wrong. So numbers are working against the truth because the you know the truth is usually quite a narrow way, and uh, so people are getting swept up, swallowed up, pulled into these phenomenal ministries that are just beyond. I mean, you have to stop and think: Why are these big ministries so big? If they're tr- telling the truth, why are they so popular? Because this world is not full of lovers of the truth; it's full of haters of God, actually, for the most part. And and Satan, who runs it, of course, is you know a vowed enemy of God. So when you look at these ministries or anything out there that gets a lot of momentum, a lot of praise, a lot of backing, uh, it's not probably from God because God does not work that way. He had a little band of 12 people, 20, you know, 72 people, whatever. He wasn't in the numbers. And, and even up to through the very end, they were cursing him and mocking him. So it's, and he wasn't popular so whatever looks to be popular in these days, I would put that as a chalk mark against it as being valid. There is nothing of this world, uh, that nothing in this world of God that gets promoted by the world. Believe you me, there's nothing of God in this world that gets promoted by the world. And if it, it appears to be promoted for some time or some amount of time, it is only for the trap and treachery of tricking us. And there are lying spirits that counterfeit yeah. the workings and the presence of God. Think about uh, it. You think about it yeah. now. It might like, oh, it was God. I mean, we felt the presence of God. We we saw God do this and this. Yeah, the, the miracles. The glory came down and the miracles yeah. were there. And mm-hmm. I mean, certainly God is... <laughs> He he is glorious. We he did does have miracles. He brings his glory. Yeah, he had but, the pillar of fire and the mm-hmm. pillar of smoke. He has these things. And Satan, of course, is full of lying signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, the very elect. His ministers are, are as mm-hmm. angels of light, yeah. transformed. Transformed. As angels of light. They, they, they look That's why like we as believers really, go ahead. They, 
need yeah. to be discerning. <laughs> right, right. I want to say, too, that um, Jesse Penn Lewis, uh, about 100 years ago, wrote an absolutely wonderful book. I have told people uh, that I believe this is the most significant book that has been written in the last 100 years mm. for the church, for us. Um, he talks about, you know, if you're, well, I'm, you know, people say, well, I'm sincere. I'm sincerely seeking God. I want God, and and that's a great desire. Mm-hmm. I mean, God has put that desire yep, within you. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Um, here's what, uh, some things that she wrote. She wrote, the children of God need to know that to be true in motive and faithful up to light, in other words, up to the amount of light you have, is not su- a sufficient safeguard against deception, and that it is not safe for them to rely upon their honesty of purpose Mm-hmm. as guaranteed protection from the enemy's wiles. So, in other words, if you're sincere, that doesn't necessarily keep you uh, fa- uh, protected from well, deception. Well, y- if you could take a, a, a hen that's sitting on eggs, remove the eggs, and put golf balls underneath there, she could continue to sit there. Sincerely. And she'd be very sincere. But, <laughs> and faithful. But it really wouldn't do any good, right? She'd be wrong. He says, Christians, this is what Jesse Penn Lewis goes on to say, Christians who are true and faithful and honest can be deceived by Satan and his deceiving spirits for the following reason. Following reasons. Uh, when a man becomes a child of God by the regenerating power of the Spirit, he does not at the same time receive fullness of knowledge either of God himself or the devil. So he's just a baby. Right, right. Just because you're born doesn't mean you know everything right, yet. Right, right. Or- and then another thing she said, uh, reasons why people can be deceived is that the mind is darkened by nature. It's only the renewed uh, mind. Uh, the mind is only renewed because there's a veil. The Bible says, Second uh, Corinthians four four, that the goddess age um, has blinded the yeah, minds yeah. of those that don't believe. So Romans twelve one and two says we're we're to be transformed by, by the, the renewing, renewing of, of our, our minds. minds. Mm-hmm. So so our minds need to be renewed through the Word of God, and then. She's, she goes on to say... Dece- rightly divided, too, because rightly a lot of people divided, rightly, are exposed to the Word of God, the twisted, perverted, false gospels, uh, half-truths, whatever. And they are not smart enough because they don't know enough of the Word you, themselves if, to if discern it. If you don't know the Word, you can't discern. You have to have yeah, the standard. You have to know the Word. Yes. So uh, she goes on to say, deception has to do with the mind, and it means a wrong thought admitted to the mind under the deception that it is truth. So you can have a wrong thought Mm -hmm. thinking it's true. So Satan comes in and puts those thoughts, tempts us with those thoughts. I really believe that's what a temptation is. It's it's a a thought that comes into your mind or your heart that Satan has put there, but it looks like it's masked, covered, concealed, uh, feels like your own thought. And so you don't discard it, you entertain it, you act on it without uh, taking every thought captive and making it subject to the obedience of Christ. You don't check it out. So it's talking about, you know, knowledge of the Word of God. That is that is really our safeguard. But the thing is t- about knowledge, Jerry, is that, first of all, people don't read the Bible. Second of all, they try maybe to read the Bible and they, they get distracted and it just gets snatched out of their heads before they even get up from the chair uh, third, they're not. It's not. It's not making an impression on them, um, and they're not being able spiritually to put it together um, 
under the counsel of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that has to be with us when we read the Bible to put it together so we will rightly divide it and understand when, when it. Come, Too many people yeah. look at the Word of God with their religious glasses on or their denominational glasses or their prejudices or their preconceived notions and ideas of grace and law and all of it. Uh, and they, they, they it's so murky and muddied up that they cannot see it. If they would take off those religious glasses and just simply just let your eye look at the word on the page, let your mind think, let your heart know, open to the Holy Spirit, show me yes. uh, what is this saying. And just it's almost like you have to be deprogrammed. That word of God that we read can either supplement or reinforce negative programs if you're reading it as as through those glasses those lenses of of uh, of um prejudice or those lenses of error but if you take them off and just let the word go into your heart and mind it will do what it needs to do it will make us make clear what is going on yeah and so really our minds are 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 cluttered with lies yeah our program so programmed a, there exactly. is a there's a need for a deprogramming and a reprogramming mm-hmm. with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, with the truth that sets us free. And some people have the idea, well, you know, as long as I'm true and faithful, God is going to protect me from deception. Well, yeah, He does can, He can pr- protect us from deception. But the thing is, if you just assume, well, I'm I'm going along, I mean, I know Jesus now, I can't be deceived, that itself is a deception. Mm-hmm. Um he says, well, Jesus would not have told his disciples, um, be not deceived if there wasn't the possibility of deception. Yeah, exactly. And I just closed this little part from Jesse Penn Lewis. He says, the knowledge that it is possible to deceive, to be deceived keeps the mind open to truth and light from God and is one of the primary conditions for the keeping power of God, whereas a closed mind to light and truth is certainly a guarantee of deception by Satan at its earliest opportunity. Yeah. So it's important to walk in the light as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses from all sin. Absolutely. So the light of God, the word is truth. You know, um, the word, thy word is a light unto my uh, feet, uh, you know, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So this is really important, rightly dividing it, getting it in perspective, understanding you know, sometimes we have to understand principles of biblical interpretation. Yeah, and, it, and you, you know, know the lot thing- of, and that I think we, you know it's incumbent upon pastors and teachers particularly to help instruct people in how how do you read the word of God? Well, you know the problem is a lot of times the word of God and the war on the saints the war of our lives. It's very, you know, we're very people who want excitement, action, breakthroughs, good feelings, um, success. And all of these things are so contrary to how the word of God works out, plays out, acts out in our, in our lives. Many times walking it out, this narrow way is not all full of splendid delight and wonderful breakthroughs. It's really like Abraham and Moses. It's it's dragging yourself through the wilderness, walking with God, uh, Job, keeping your eyes on Jesus, uh, letting the Holy Spirit help you to keep your eyes on Jesus. It's not about all kinds of exciting things. And I think people don't like it when it's it's difficult because it's it's not exhilarating. It is exhilarating, actually, in the spirit. But 
But for in the natural man, we're so wanting things to be to pop, to taste ex- ex- excellent, to to move, to break through, to have all of these kinds of exciting things happening. And because we get bored so easily, because we're not fed from within, um, we're easily distracted and misled, and just and we go after these people who are, you know, the 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 parade. You know, the the louder, the more colorful, the more. Uh, whatever the parade, we're, the more likely we are to be swept up into it. And I think that's what he's saying in this last day. So be not deceived. There's there's a lot of hard stuff that's coming down the pike. And people who aren't liking hard stuff and don't like to, um, you know, endure or persevere or stand and having done all the stand or they give themselves permission to, get to you know, get, uh, exit or give up or, or sit down or whatever. This is not... Uh, these kind of people are going to be the ones who are on the, they're not the, the warriors. They're not the ones who get it. They're not the ones who really see the intensity of this war. Mm-hmm. So when he's talking here, he's talking about be not deceived. Uh, for many will come in my name saying, I am he and will deceive many. And then he goes on to say, and when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled for such things must happen. But the end is not yet. The world has been in this mode of wars and bloodshed and battles and, and treachery and, and injustice. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you if you know anything about history, even the rewritten history is full of treachery and disappointment and injustice to the to the hilt. I mean, the the, the good guys are always getting slammed and slimed and cut up and beat up and killed and 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 the and evil prevails. Well, evil prevails is because it's in the heart of men. The Bible, Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all, all things and desperately, desperately wicked. wicked. Who can know it? Mm-hmm. And James says, where are the word of the wars and fightings come, come from? from? What's the source of this? What's the source of conflict? It's from within our hearts. You know, mm-hmm. uh, out of the heart of men, within your own members, you you desire to have and you can't have. So you're going to get it by taking it from somebody else, or you're going to move somebody out jealousy, of the way. Manipulation, so, so it's really the heart. Mm, this, is, this is why the solution to individual, really, all these issues, you know, of 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 murder, war, famine, discord, conflict, murder, all these things. Yes, it's jealousy. It's it's a matter of. Uh, the heart, the change well, of the and, heart and the, and of a person that only can happen through faith in Jesus Christ. It is and a miracle. The regeneration mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. Regeneration. In other words, new life, mm-hmm. new inheritance. Well, and you know, like a you new said, new way of thinking that like, comes through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Deep in hearts. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's what personally examining, listening faithfully, honestly looking at what's coming out of your mouth will show you what's coming out of your heart because what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. And so a lot of times what happens here is we, we let our mouth, we permit our mouth to spew, to to gossip, to criticize, to murmur, to complain, to blame, to judge. And also somehow we let ourselves, we go one of two ways. We either let ourselves be blameless and get off the hook and don't allow the Holy Spirit to let us through those words, examine our own hearts to see, whoa, where did that come from? Whoa, where did that murmuring come from? Whoa, that's not God. We don't stop and say, wait a minute, who in there is doing that, saying that, provoking me to say that? Who, you know, rather than we permit it to be, we just say, well, you know, I have a right to complain. Well, I'm tired. Well, you know, um, they did this and that. Well, you know, whatever. 
So we're justifying and excusing our, our behavior when in fact, if we listen to our mouth, if you will listen to your mouth today, it will tell you a whole lot about you because it's not all you speaking. Some of that is the bitterness speaking. Some of that is the, the hopelessness speaking. Some of that is the I give up speaking. And you've never cast them out. You've never taken authority over them. You've, you, the Bible says, give no place. Do not give place to the devil. Well, what does that mean? That means when he's trying to speak, when he's trying to get the platform or the podium or the floor or the microphone, you say to him, you know what? Shut up. No, you won't. And you know, it's hard. It's weird to say shut up to yourself and say, no, you won't, because it's not, you think it's you. But it's not, it's an entity inside of you that's provoking you, deceiving you, misleading you. And if you don't deal with your beginning, the place of the origin of this lie, which is in the heart, then you will believe lies. You will be drawn off into believing lies because the proverb says, liars listen to liars. So if you're believing lies yourself and full of deception yourself, it is an automatic um, natural next step to follow the deceivers because you already are deceived and you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to examine you. You're not taking it to heart. You're not taking it seriously. You're not repenting with godly sorrow. You're not crying out. You're not confessing. We're not confessing our sins and repenting. And that's why we go on and on and on in our trouble. Jesus said, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another that you may be healed. Well, we don't do that because we're afraid if I say anything to anybody about me, they're going to jump on me, pounce on me, reject me or laugh at me, whatever. And so therefore I'm going to be private, keep it to myself and just do the best I can. Jesus did not say to the disciples, okay, guys, do the best you can. He didn't say um, to even be good. He said, follow me and I will perfect that which concerns you. But most of us don't trust that. We think we're so, you know, animated to take care of and deal with our own stuff. And, and, and we're afraid that other people will, you know, not love us, which is the problem. The commandment of the law of love will be broken. So therefore, we just take care of ourselves. So wars in themselves, rumors of wars are, are troubling in itself. But Jesus said, don't be troubled. Mm-hmm. These things are going to happen. Okay, but that that doesn't mean it's the end of all things. Verse nine, verse eight of Mark thirteen. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. We have that today. We've had it, like you said, all through history. Mm-hmm. Still have it today. From tribal, from fa- marriage conflicts to family conflicts mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. state and national conflicts, international conflicts, yeah. and there will be World earthquakes mm-hmm. in various places. There are there are so many earthquakes. We have great, you know. There's the earth is continually shaking, and mm-hmm. some of them are just. And that's what God said in the last days: He'll shake everything that the, can be the, shaken. There's multiple. The the earthquake rate has increased exponentially. Uh, part of it, I think, is because we're able to measure them more accurately. But it's in the earthquake events have there's continual trembling of the earth. Uh, the and there'll be famines. And troubles, these are just the beginning of sorrows, he says, the birth pains, the be- you know, the beginning to a signal the birth of the baby, the signaling of the process that's going to take a number of hours to bring forth that baby. But your body is now preparing itself to bring forth the baby. So he's kind of comparing it to that. Well, it's labor pains because mm-hmm. you have to say, okay, if you all you do is focus on the labor pains, oh, it hurts so much. Um, it was so difficult. But... But there's a baby that comes. Or to try to prevent the labor it, pains. You yeah. can't do that either. So. Right. So Jesus said, basically said there's these labor pains, mm-hmm. very, very severe, very intense, mm-hmm. very heart-wrenching. But the result is going to be the coming of the kingdom of God. That's the right. The result of all this is going to be the return of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. 
For the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So we have to keep in mind that all this is leading to something uh, wonderful. So he says, but watch out for yourselves, verse 9. Watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils. You will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. It talks about their, you know, it it, talk, it doesn't talk about, um, it basically is talking about legal persecution, right, to their mm-hmm. councils, yeah. to their, their courts and so forth. So there's legal persecution. There's going to be religious persecution. They'll do, in, in the in the synagogue, beaten in the synagogue, where, where where you'd think it would be a safe place and a godly place. <laughs> that's where you get beaten up. Right. That's how many people get beaten mm-hmm. up in churches. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah. and political opposition or political persecution talks about um, the rulers and kings. So it's coming at you from the court system. Mm-hmm. It's coming at you from the religious system, mm-hmm. come against coming against you from the political system. Yeah. Opposite, opposing the gospel of Christ. Well, we can see the intensification because in, in uh, Matthew again, Jesus is talking about um, uh, be troubled for nothing, be anxious for nothing, do not fear, um, you're more valuable than many sparrows. And then he goes on to say in 32 of 10, Matthew, he says, they're... they're um, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I am that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and the men and a man's foes will be those of his own household. He'll, so you see, the thing is this war. This rejection, this misunderstanding, this confusion, Satan is going to set it up so treacherously to be at the very heart of your being, uh, you know, your most close relationships with your father, your mother, your children. And I've seen and heard, and it's, it's increasing. The intensification is increasing where um, people are being set up, falsely accused, taken to court, sued for this or that by, by ex mates, by children, by parents, by the legal system itself being drawn into court, false accusations made. Um, and this is the because of the increased power and uh, predominance of witchcraft, because witchcraft comes to bring um, malicious uh, accusations, manipulation. And if you don't bow down to witchcraft, she will set you up to falsely accuse you and then take you to a court and hopefully find in that court um, someone who will support the wicked intentions of her heart because most of our judicial systems have already been given over to the things of of the God of this world. So the witchcraft knows that if it gets you to court, for the most part, unless God intervenes, you're going to be uh, defeated because there isn't a an intervention by God and because the court is pretty rotten already. However, however, God is beyond and above any system, any treachery, any witchcraft, and he is able to extricate. He is the God of escapes, escapes from death. God is able to bring you out. And I just know that even now there are, uh, because of the hatred that Satan has for marriages, that Satan is turning so many husbands and wives against one another because they have failed to love and forgive. They have failed to repent. 
Um, they've been bullheaded. They've been stubborn. They've been um, self-righteous. They've been beaten, abused, bullied, whatever it is. And they, and they just see that there is no safety in um, forgiving one another. But there is, when you forgive someone, that does not mean that you throw away your safety. Actually, when you forgive them, that means you enter into a new place where you are eligible for justice and righteousness. Yeah, and not only, uh, you know, if you, Jesus said, when, avoid going to court. If possible. He says, uh, if possible, mm-hmm. agree with your adversary quickly. quickly. Come into an agreement. Work things out. Don't get into the system. Right. And so if if the thing is what happens, and this is why lawyers prosper. We have someone said that we have more lawyers than people in America. But <laughs> anyway, um, the you get into the system. Mm-hmm. If you can't work it out between, you know, yourselves, you get into a system and an unjust, unjust for the most part, corrupt system that is super expensive, arduous. It can go on and on and on because the Bible says in the last days there were people that will be irreconcilable. Mm-hmm. They are not going to humble themselves. Right. They're not, to go, not going to Mediate. extend yeah. forgiveness. They're mm-hmm. not going to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. They're not going to just, you know, settle things. They're just going to be, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to, they're, they're just disagreeable, uh, well, irreconcilable. And that is a tragedy because those people also will have to give an account of themselves before God um, as to their behavior. And, 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 you, and everything, all of this uh, stubbornness, irreconcilability, all comes from fear. It all, everything roots itself in fear. The opposite of love, perfect love casts out fear. So there are only two kingdoms and there are only really two forces, love or fear. And Satan uses fear to intimidate, to coerce, to um, command and control the people of the world because, you know, nobody in this world in their right mind would love Satan because we're built to love God and Satan is evil. But Satan, you know, lavishes his lies with sugar coating and (sighs) bribes and whatever. But so, but back to, you know, the treachery, many of us find ourselves caught in these kinds of traps and snares, whether it's a medical system and a health issue or a court system and a legal issue. Uh, or at school or at, at your a job, you're being persecuted for righteousness sake. I believe that part of what this uh, current increase in persecution is among the righteous or against the righteous is the fact that we are, you know, being asked to confess Jesus before men. And, it, and, it, and that is really, it goes contrary to this evil, right. present evil right. world system. Absolutely. In fact, in some nations of the world, Right now, mm-hmm. basically, the the level of persecution uh, of of true believers of Jesus Christ is really it's like a genocide. It's right. it's like it's and we like don't Hitler hear about trying this, to yeah. obliterate the Jews. And it's very in interesting for II. all the news and the newscasts and news stations and satellites and telecommunication situation, the technology. We are really kept in the dark about most of what's really truly going on at the grassroots levels, and not only this country but also in other countries. So the the news you're fed, the news you believe, what you think and see and hear, is all um, uh, monitored. It's all uh, state controlled. Controlled. I don't know if it's state or if it's demonic. Government controlled. Yeah. Which, in a, I guess, behind the government is, you know, all the government. God ordained governments, but the, there's so, governments that get so. So corrupted. as in, so as individuals in this last days, we also must know that 
in in spite of the treachery and the depth of the snake pit uh, and the wickedness that goes on. It isn't isn't it amazing that God is able to keep us in the middle of that destruction, in the middle of everything. It, yeah, it's interesting here. I'm just to bring s- in us to safety, to keep us safe. Yes, go ahead. Right. I, I'm just kind of skipping over verse 10 here, and I want to go back to it a little bit later. It says, verse 11, Mark 13, but when they arrest you, it, it doesn't say if they arrest you, yeah. but when. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's going to happen, folks. Yeah, yeah. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or meditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. You know, so what, in the midst of this, yeah. you're getting called on the carpet. Mm-hmm. We, we see Many it in, times we we're see innocent. It in the book of yeah. Acts. You Many, see it in the book yeah, of Acts. Absolutely. They forbid. Oh, don't preach Jesus. Don't say anything about Jesus. Mm-hmm. You can say anything about anything else you want, but not about Jesus. And they got called on the carpet. They, you know, Peter did. Uh, Paul falsely and Silas accused. did. Yeah. They got falsely accused. So it, Jesus got falsely accused so, constantly. So you can live the most righteous, holy life, the most life most directed and rooted in the truth. And get in trouble. And get in trouble for it because Satan and the God of this world will make sure he finds some way to set up a bogus accusation against you and just wear you out with it or take you to court with it or bleed you dry with it. So, it, you know, and we're not advocating that you live recklessly and misbehave, but we're saying it doesn't, you know, we are going to be targeted and we're not, but you know, the good news about all that is I am not a victim. I do not consider myself a victim of the God of this world. I am not a victim. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And so if you start feeling sorry for yourself, you've just fallen for another deceptive lie and trap of the devil. We know of a, a ministry that's involved, very heavily involved with people uh, uh, around different certain portions of the world where there's intense persecution against believers. And for the most part, the believers are are saying, this is what they're saying, not, oh, stop the persecution. They're saying, help us, their prayer is, help us to be faithful to the Lord in the, to in the, the end. midst mm-hmm. of all this, to the end. Well, Being that was faithful. the prayer of the so martyrs. It's not a... It's not a victim mentality. At all. And see, Satan hates that. When you don't sit around and feel sorry for yourself or try to avoid a conflict because this is where we're here. We're here purposely put here to declare the kingdom of God. And so you are an enemy of this world and, and we're soldiers of the cross. So if you're going to, you can't, there's no more middle ground, guys. There's, there's no more fence to sit on. There's no more middle of the road to walk down. You're going to have to get in or get out, be on the right or the left. God said, Jesus I would that you were hot or cold, but because you've been lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You middle roaders have nothing. You you can't hide in your your fake anything anymore because it's not going to work. You need to come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. Be separate, says the Lord, and I will dwell among you. We need That's God right. right now to dwell among us as the remnant church, as the believers, because he is our only protection. When Satan drove Pharaoh mad and caused him to pursue Moses and the children of Israel as they fled, walked out, were released, whatever, from Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh gathered his wits about him, his son, buried his son, and got on his chariot and went after Moses. And see, the thing is, so what was Moses going to do? God deliberately led Moses into this um, trap 
this up against the Red Sea. Moses was well familiar with that wilderness. He'd been there. He lived there for 40 years doing his sheep there. He knew how to get from one place to another. He knew this was not the way to go. But the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire led them into directly into the trap. And what's Moses going to say to God? No, no, no. We got to go to the, we got to go to the, the, to the right here. We can't go straight ahead. We got to go this way. No, he had to follow God and God led him. And you can say, well, Moses didn't get to use his common sense. Well, his common sense wasn't what God was interested in. God was interested in putting an end to Pharaoh. And so that looked like the most horrible, scary thing possible. Mm-hmm. Using the children of Israel as bait, absolute bait, to, to pull this livid, angry, furious, uh, insane man with his vendetta to get even up into a trap. And then God opened the Red Sea up. And it wasn't a reed sea. It was a red sea. They actually found the crossing. They found the chariots under the water. So stop believing all of these do-gooder documentaries that tell you one thing, and they're just lying again to create another false narrative. Go back to the original narrative, which is the truth, which is the word of God. It's an, You can read it for yourself. It's free. Nobody has to, you know, it's there. It's available. And so, um, so when they got to the red sea and the people were all freaking out, God says to Moses, just stand, stay put, stand still and see what I'll do. And then in the morning after the east wind had blown all night, he says, open up, your, lift up your rod. And when he did, ha, huh, the waves pulled back. Mm-hmm. They made a corridor for the people to walk through on, on dry, dry land. On dry ground. And they is they it, didn't wade through Yeah, the they've actually sea. found the place where they crossed. And it's the only place, only place on that sea bottom bed that, that there, was, there was a path. That they could walk when it's a rock, they, like a rock shelf. Yeah, the it. only place. How did God know where that was? Well, He put it there in the he beginning. He made it in the first place. Right? <laughs> so they walked over. Not only did they walk over. Good news. When they got to the other side, the last little carton goat was on the other side. God let the waves come back down and killed Pharaoh. You say, "Oh, that's such a murderous God." Well, you know what? Those people who were on those chariots believed they were God. They were they were worshiping the sun god. They were not interested in the one true God. I'm not even sure they were all humans, actually, but that's a discussion for a different time. But nonetheless, when you get pulled up into court, you get pulled up into that dead end, into that get cornered, stand still and praise God. Don't murmur. Don't complain. Don't freak out. That's the sign of a good soldier. You don't freak out. You begin to praise God because God is in control of the end. He's in control of the end days, the end times. He's in control. Another the sign of the end days is Mark thirteen twelve. Now brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and children That's will right. rise up against their parents and cause them to put, be put to death. That's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew. Well, and, and thing two is against to, three, three against two, four against five. Will betray brother, mm-hmm. and, and we we see we, we were in a, a particular country some time back where there was communism. And the, the of course, the communism was opposed to the church. And what happened, many times there were people that were meeting in this strong communist regime. They were meeting as believers, sometimes secretly, sometimes openly, but they would be betrayed by people in the church that they thought were their brothers and sisters in Christ. They would tell on... To get an extra communist. loaf of bread or something. Telling them yeah. to the communists, right, mm-hmm. they, were, they, were, they were treacherous betrayers. And so some of this older generation in that country, they have a hard time trusting 
because they've been betrayed so many times by people that thought they were right. there, by their own family right. members, mm-hmm. by their own family members. And, of course, talks about um, father killing children, children killing parents. You know, you look on the Internet, basically every day you're going to see something like that. Well, you, right? you know, and it depends on what we look at. Nowadays, we have to be careful that we don't just uh, rivet ourselves on, on the destruction, the negative. Well, we must keep ri- our eyes in the Word of God. You and don't have to rivet yourself. You just, it's, it's pretty, it's I know there it's pretty there. Pretty much and we don't day. want to cocoon either and pretend like we don't want to right. hear. And it's it's just be where God has you. He says, um, verse 38 of Matthew chapter 10 again, he says, um, uh, and he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, th- th- so our attitude really needs to be, um, I'm dead. I've been born again. So I've died, and now I'm born again. So I'm living forever in my eternal life, and my eternal life. I've got a few more years uh, down here on this um, terra firma to get to, to, to be part of whatever God wants me to do down here. But, you know, everybody out here is, the problem is they're trying to save their life, take care of themselves, make sure they don't get ripped off, protect their rights. Um, you know, and, and in the, and doing all that, they hold grudges. They don't forgive. They, um, stay mad. They look for ways to get even because they're so insecure because they, they just have thought, well, this is my life. This is the only life I get. I better live it up. I, you know, and if you're getting in my way, then woe be to you. But this is not the, the only life we get. This is of the first part of the rest of your life, really. And you all, we all are going to live somewhere eternally forever in one of two places. So our task as believers in Jesus Christ has really not changed since Jesus told us what to do. Nothing has changed yet. Mm-hmm. He says in Mark 13, and the gospel must be first preached to all the nations. In a parallel verse to that, uh, the account that Matthew gives of this same um, message, verse Matthew 24, 14, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all, in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Then the fulfillment will come. Yes, and speaking of end, let us go forward. Let us pray because we've got to, we've got to know that God is with us. God is for us. God will never leave us or forsake us. So, Father God, in these days of trial and tribulation, let us rejoice and look up for our redemption draws nigh. Lord, you are our redemption. You're the Holy One of Israel, the captain of the host. You're coming to redeem. The book of Revelations is full of the spectacular uh, events that are going to take place uh, on the earth. Gruesome, gory, unbelievable. And yet we can see that the technology has set us up to be able to experience these very things that your prophet spoke of, of in uh, 2,000 years ago and didn't have the quite the language that we're using, but they explained well what we're actually seeing as is possible in these days. So, Father, comfort our hearts. I pray that for those this week who are going into, uh, they're being set up, they're being trapped, they're being cornered, they're being, um, the devil's setting them up for destruction, that you will have a, give them a mighty and awesome deliverance for the glory of God and for the uh, for the good of those who are trusting in you, that we are mighty warriors, faithful servants of the Most High, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. I have an emergency. What is your location?
because there's a war for your soul.